Welcome to the Wheel Nerds. Good evening, and welcome to the Wheel Nerds. This is episode 30. I'm Chuck. And I am Todd. We're going to be talking about the subject of motorcycles. And motorcycle-related topics. But first, this story. Next up, the story of a guy who bought a bike. But the bike turned out to break a lot. The first person to see the bike was Chuck's friend, Todd. The first time I saw the bike, I thought it was a pretty good bike. I mean, the guy had obviously ridden it, so it didn't just sit, you know, and it was in pretty good shape. So I asked him if he'd fire it up. He said yes. Chuck was excited, and he trusted Todd's judgment. So, he bought the Buell. It wasn't meant to last, though. After a while, Chuck began to notice something was not quite right. And then the clutch broke. And then the headlights broke. And then something made an exploding noise and smelled. The bike that had made him so happy was breaking on him faster than he could fix it. It got so that it was breaking as fast as I could fix it. <laughs> yeah, we can't keep that up. <laughs> hey, uh, point of fact, we we do not cackle. We do not cackle. And then we are happy to announce an exciting new Wheel Nerds feature on our website. We have gotten our first ever hate mail, Chuck. Yep. We've yep. arrived. <laughs> this this is a, a, a watershed moment for the Wheel Nerds. I feel, I feel like a big kid now. Yeah. I... I I'm there. We're there. Thanks. Thank you, David. You inspired that whole opening. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be posting your mail on the site. As long um, with all hate mail we receive from here on out in our special hate mail. Wheelnerds spot. at gmail.com. <laughs> Send us your hate mail. <laughs> it just keeps us warm at night. So speaking of things that were sent to us. Herpes? No. <laughs> no, we went out and got that. No, the, tonight uh, we were sent an opening. Yes. By one of our listeners. That's his kid, an eight-year-old kid with his pocket bike. And I got to tell you what, that sounds like a chainsaw. Or an S1000RR. As the case may be. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, that the kid's yeah. on a pocket bike. I'm wondering if he goes to, like, does uh, the mini track days and stuff. Could be. Because you, be. uh, you see a lot of that. Yeah, get him started early. What's going to happen when he turns teenage and rebels? Screw you, Dad, I'm getting a minivan. <laughs> I can see it now. With the automatic sliding doors. <laughs> it's got side impact airbags. <laughs> You're so lame. Oh, my God. Power seats. Does your bike have a seat warmer, Dad? On the other hand, the minivan seats do fold into the floor on new minivans. And let's face it, when you were 16, how sweet would that have been? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have we have the ad of the week that came from Roland. And Wait, I'm still thinking. Chuck. Yeah. Chuck. What? Back to Earth, Chuck. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> Chuck, you may not know this, but you're uh, not 16 anymore. Shut up. So the ad of the week, uh, I happened to find this on KSL, and so did our listener, Roland, and sent it in about the same time as me. <laughs> Chuck, I'm thinking you got this Buell, right, which is technically a Harley. The Buell. Should we talk about the Buell? Sure, let's real, talk about the Buell for quick. a second. Yeah. J- it'll, How's it doing? It'll, it'll set up the ad. I haven't seen it in two weeks. Oh, okay. Since I've taken it back to the shop for them to work mm. on, things are getting things are getting ominous. You call the shop and they're like, "Oh, I have to, I, I <laughs> slam." <laughs> <laughs> they've they've had it for a couple of weeks now. I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, oh, it is close to the holidays. I'm sure nothing ominous is going on. <laughs> <laughs> this is in future episodes. Listeners will look back on this and say foreshadowing yeah yeah so the buell yeah so i've got this buell which is technically a harley and i found this ad and roland found this ad to send it to us looking to trade my semi for harley <laughs> a what <laughs> yeah check this out i'm on the truck little over 20k in new parts rear end just got installed holy crap it's optimus prime uh-huh it's totally <laughs> the optimus prime truck you could get the blue and and yellow and red flame paint job and you'd be the happiest chuck in the world i would be fresh off frame rebuild big cam three motor new tires new rear end 48 flat to a bunch of truck stuff 48 inch flat top yep. new turbo lot more looking for a harley so i can ride Mm-hmm. what's his name uh john yep he gives an address where it's sitting and everything so i guess if you have a harley and you want a rig uh here you go 
and it's totally – I can't see anything but Optimus Prime looking at this now. Yep. Right paint job? You'll be set. Yep. I'll be Optimus Prime. You will I'll pick up mad chicks in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have a 48-inch flat top for them to lie down on. Mm-hmm. See? What's not to like? Oh, it's got a sleeper cab, right? I that, assume that's what, that's what that is back there. I don't know my asshole from a hole in the ground where trucks are concerned, so – Yeah, that's a place to sleep. There you go. I could – Wow. <laughs> It's a camper waiting to happen. Yeah. I could put like a bumping sound system on that. Mm-hmm. And Those things have a lot of juice on them too when they don't have a trailer on them. Roll down the street. Hey, baby. Want to ride an Optimus Prime? <laughs> so there you go. I think that's what you need to do with that Buell. I've seen guys, you know, offer to trade their cars for a bike, but this is the first. This is possibly the first actually cool sounding trade I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's the kind of trade that you can piss your wife even more off with, you know. Yeah. You got a motorcycle. You got to get rid of that, right? Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I did what you said. (laughs) Got rid of the motorcycle. I have the manliest truck in the parking lot. (laughs) All those pickup trucks are for weenies. Let me put my Mac cap on in my vest. (laughs) John Deere. Nice. Yeah, yeah, you could you could go yeah. to the the gas station where the kickstand club is and just roll right over them <laughs> without slowing. <laughs> <laughs> Optimus says, "Move out of the way." <laughs> you could refit that back section where the trailer would attach into a pretty cool motorcycle carrying platform too. Yes, yeah, you could just launch your bike right off of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you don't have a bike because you've traded for a semi. At least you look like Optimus Prime. Wow, I'm tempted. If only I had my Harley here in the garage. <laughs> Get it back. Tell them you're trading it for a big rig. I'm going to have to <laughs> tow it back. Ah, oh, God, I don't know what's going to happen with that bike. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of bikes that are a pain in the ass, I, uh, I drove a car today. I was expecting it to be like, oh, this is great. I'm in a car. This is so comfy and so much better than riding in the fucking cold on the bike. It wasn't that cold today. No, it wasn't that cold today. And you know what? Frankly, driving in the car, it turns out, is not really that awesome for the little, like, eight-mile drive I have to do to work. Like, it's not a big improvement, in all honesty. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not, not that great access to the freeway. Yeah. And then your work isn't that close to the freeway. Yeah. And so I'm just taking surface streets the whole way anyway. But, like, I figured, okay... I'm gonna get, I was running late, so I figure I'll jump in the car because it's fast. You just jump in the car and go. Yep. Ha-ha! <laughs> fool you! You have to scrape off the car, which <laughs> takes about the same amount of time it takes a year old to warm up. <laughs> you need a little windshield, buddy. Yeah. A little cover thingy. Something something yeah. like that. Yeah. And in fairness, the bike's in the garage, so it's not necessarily a fair comparison. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But windshield cover, huh? Well, I mean, that's the story I've got. My car's in the driveway. The mm-hmm. bikes are in the garage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you got to put a cover over it. Mm-hmm. Now that'll, that'll save mo- about 90% of your ice scraping. Okay. That's cool. A, a little bit. There but, you go. Uh, yeah. Car nerds tip. <laughs> when your dad car is parked in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. No, I drove today, today too, because I was running late. You're warmer, you're comfier. I do notice you're sleepier, though. Oh, yeah. That was. I, I'm driving along, and I kept catching myself spacing out, like to a slightly scary extent. Well, cars make it easy to space out. Yeah. There's nothing forcing me to be alert. You know, I, I'm not going to pretend that, like, the moments where you're getting the Ural going and you're putting on your stuff and you're cold and everything are fun. But, like, once you're moving, you're in it, you're doing it. It's like you're you're awake at that point. There's no, like, still sleepy when you get to work. Yeah. going on. And you're driving an automatic, right? Yeah. So there's even less for you to do. Yeah, I, I'm doing, I'm pushing a, a, I'm aiming it in a general direction and pushing a pedal. Uh-huh. So you get that kind of weird zombie face everyone else mm-hmm. on the road has. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I am. I have gone from being the guy on the bike swearing at the idiots who were falling asleep to being the idiots. <laughs> at least you're not eating breakfast cereal at stoplights. I have become the thing I hate, Chuck. <laughs> but, you know, I also figured, okay, I can listen to news on the radio. Yep. That's cool. Everyone who's listening to the news right now is already laughing at me because the news is intensely infuriating right now. (laughs) Have you tried listening to a podcast, maybe The Wheel Nerds? You know, I actually prefer different podcasts that are nothing like The Wheel Nerds, and I think Wheel Nerds should be like those. Yeah, I agree. I can't stand the cackling on Mm -hmm. The Wheel Nerds. No, it's completely out of hand. (laughs) So so I have to say in general, you know, the car thing, I'm suddenly like thinking, you know, maybe the car's not that awesome after all, actually. Maybe I wasn't missing that much. You know, unless you're a car person and you've got the car that you want. Like, I I used to be a Mustang guy. Mm -hmm. And I had a really sweet 2002 GT convertible that I'd done a a bunch of stuff to. Loved that car. Mm. Every time I drove that car, I was just 
just it was great. La, 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 yeah. la, la. It was happy. Sure. It was happiness. Okay. But you know, if you're just driving your dad car, your 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 husband car, your yeah. you know, whatever, you're just putzing back and forth to work. Yeah. It's you're in a, a box with it, wheels. It's an appliance. It's yeah. it's like yeah. a dishwasher. It's every bit as exciting as a dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just eh. Yeah, and a lot more expensive. <laughs> Uh, we've got one more added a week to talk about. Chuck. Yes? Do you got a little girly bike? Well, maybe. You should trade it in on this manly bike. Chuck Norris! Exclamation point. Chuck Norris. So this guy spent 10 minutes on the internet. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, this is a joke! So this was sent to us by Charlie, who likes bikes with Chuck Norris at the end of them, I guess? I don't know. He likes Chuck... Who doesn't... Who doesn't want to be Chuck Norris? I don't really want to be Chuck Norris. Why not? I tried to grow the beard all the way. It's really scratchy and itchy. I don't like it. But you got a fist under it. Well, sure, but... You can roundhouse kick things into orbit. Itchy. So? Itchy. Are you manly or not? Itchy. Okay, 39,000 on the odometer. New fork seals, steering... I mean, it's service... This is a dealer. Yeah, it's like... It's a dealer, and it's and it's a pretty basic ad for, a, you know, like an okay... It doesn't even actually say what the bike is anywhere, which is really funny. I think it's a VTX, just looking at it. But he's got a picture of a Honda dealership. Yep. You know, nothing says manly to me like some Japanese dude's name. Hmm. Honda. Kawasaki. That, that just screams testosterone. Because, you know, Japanese dudes, they get all the chicks. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see Dark Rain? I don't know what you're talking about. There's no two idea. movies I'm talking about. Rising Sun uh-huh. with uh, Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery. Yeah. And then there was a Michael Douglas one. I think it's called like Black Rain. And the Japanese guys are getting all the chicks in those? Yeah, because they're all Yakuza. Oh, okay. And they're getting all the blonde American chicks. Oh, all right. And then killing them. Because that's what Japanese guys do when they're done with American chicks. Apparently. <laughs> Jeepers. <laughs> See, it, manly. Uh-huh. Manly. <laughs> M- manly. So you could get this manly, uh, I don't know, what is that? Yeah. I think it's like a VTX 13 or 18. I don't know which. It's, it's, it's a metric cruiser. Yeah, it's a metric cruiser. Okay. With a Mustang seat, passenger floorboards, and heated grips. Nothing says manly like heated grips. Cold hands are no laughing matter. <laughs> Winter is coming. <laughs> ah, in the Mustang seat because you want your nothing says manly like a comfy butt. My bum is very sensitive. Yeah, so this bike screams great. Okay. I, I get major manly off of it. I, th- I think you should just go back to driving the car. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Econo box. <laughs> uh, All right, so this week, we've got an interview with someone else who will probably try to sell us things. We, we've been doing that a lot lately. <laughs> we hope you guys are enjoying the guests we're getting on for the show. If you're not, write us hate mail. We'll yeah, put it on the wall. Let us know about it. <laughs> and do send us suggestions for other guests, by the way. Most of these guests are ones we found for suggestions from others. So Yeah. Or we or just gear we have and like Yeah. And you know, we're hoping for like someone to offer us discounts and instead they just sell us more crap at full price. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's go. Let's see how it goes. So we're here with uh, Roger from Caribou Cases. Roger, how's it going? It's going very well. We had a great year this year. Yeah, wow. you guys have grown a little bit since about five years ago when I bought the uh, Pelican cases for my Strom. Yeah, we have. We were growing at, I don't know, something like two or 300% per year for a while before the recession hit. <laughs> we had uh, we had some strong growth there for a bit. Man, if only we could get growth like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Roger, i gotta, I got to start out by asking. The uh, background behind you looks suspiciously like it's a garage that's been converted, a shipping area. <laughs> yeah, you guessed it right. I don't know, about 10 years ago, I built a very large shop and office building on my property here because I live in a rural area, so, you know, you can do that. So then this business came along, and I started it, and I'm still occupying this area, although it's getting... Difficult to walk around in here. It does We're look a little crowded. Change probably within a year or so. Roger's office decor is cardboard box. <laughs> yeah, this is it. It's not too bad. It's cardboard only about five, and... fifty feet from my house, so that's easy to take. Yeah, cardboard box and dead hitchhikers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't all garages have those? So how'd you get started in uh, making the cases? I actually started making exhaust systems back in two thousand three. I would take a super trap muffler and made it to a connector pipe that I designed. And then we put it on the F650GS, sold quite a few. The business was doing pretty well, but I was still working my corporate job. Mm. So I was only doing it part-time. And then around 2005, I got the idea of doing the luggage because 
an exhaust system at that time was three, four hundred dollars, and luggage costs much more than that. So you know there was bigger market, there was more possibilities for revenue, and to make it a full-time business. So I jumped into the luggage business in 2005. So I bought mine in 2006, and just so you know, they are the accessory I've had on my Strom longer than any other. And <laughs> they look like it at this point, but <laughs> they are pretty swell. What led you toward Pelican cases as opposed to big metal boxes or something like that? I mean, the metal boxes are certainly the standard, but, you know. Well, that's a good question. I did design a number of different cases when we first got started. Pelican cases was always going to be part of the product line. But I had also designed some aluminum cases and things like that. You know, I did a lot of work up front that I never ended up using, frankly, because the Pelican cases just work so well. And they offer such a great value with the lifetime guarantee. What brought around, you know, you picking a Pelican case? I mean, I before you, I'd never even heard of Pelican cases, really. I might have seen them in airports and stuff or Steven Seagal movies. but uh... Yeah, when I was a mechanical engineer working in aerospace, we used them. So I was familiar with them, and I knew how well they they worked. And I saw guys, you know, doing homemade things where they bolt them to a rack somehow on their bike. And I decided that it, it could be viable. You know, you could really make a nice system if you added all the right key components, such as having the, a lid lock on the case, being able to lock it shut without using a padlock, mm-hmm. and having a mounting system that would mount that case to a, a steel rack very securely and lock it down. You know, those two things were were critical. Once I'd gotten that figured out, you know, the rest was sort of evolution, adding things as we went along to make it more and more of a motorcycle case. And now, today, I don't think you could tell the difference between a regular motorcycle case for adventure touring bikes and one of our cases that we make. They look just like motorcycle cases. I mean, they, they're, they're not much different than the OEM stuff that's made today for the adventure motorcycling segment. I'd argue they're a lot cooler, but that's me. I get, I get yeah. a lot of compliments on them, so I'm, I'm awful fond of them. O- on that note, actually, because you see, you see all these Pelicans bolted to different kinds of racks, and I love bragging about mine a little bit because I'm... If you haven't noticed, I'm really into them, and I gush about them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But I notice a lot of people with, you know, racks that are, they'll, they'll get a regular rack, like a Gibby rack or something, and bolt it onto it. Now, do you design all your racks from the ground up, or do you mix and match? How, how do those go together? When I started out, we designed, I designed all the racks, you know, built all the prototypes, tested them myself, everything. And that included the BMW GS bikes, the V-Stroms, the KLR, the KTM 990, and the Buell Ulysses, and I'm probably missing a couple there. So we designed a lot of racks. Later on, I got the idea that it would be nice if somebody had, say, a GV rack or a Hepco Becker rack, so they don't have to invest in a rack again. They could just get the cases and a mount system. So I came up with uh, cases and mount systems to fit GV racks, Hepco Becker, and SW Motec. That accounts for you know a good chunk of our sales today, mostly Hepco Becker, but the others do pretty well. That allows someone to not lose their investment in the rack that's already on their bike, assuming they've destroyed the, the cases that came with it originally. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I'm thinking of people who've destroyed cases that came with it. People would say, I'm just going to throw out a Harbor Freight toolbox on a piece of wood on the back of their It's box. not from <laughs> Harbor Freight. <laughs> so when you were talking about boxes, they're just kind of bolted on with padlocks holding them closed. Yes. That's kind of where Chow Chuck rolls. Right. So I've, I've got this $30 toolbox that's bolted to a plywood platform that I've got uh, bolted to the uh, factory rack on my Buell Ulysses. Nice. Where, where nice. Can you give me pointers or tips what I should be looking for in the future as I go forward with this? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the bike you've chosen isn't all that great for rear top boxes. You've got that, you know, that I call it a beaver tail back yep. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's not much else to bolt to. In order to get a, a real rack back there, you've got to, it's going to be cantilevered off of bolts that are up and under the rear fender, the rear wheel well area in the, in the seat. Yeah, I the recommend, OEM. you know, going some other route for that bike. <laughs> yeah, the OEM rack is, uh, it's, it's kind of short, actually. Well, and the box was a joke. The factory box, it's a Hepco Becker box, and it's uh, yeah. it's kind of small. If you've got a tail rack of some kind on there, we sell a do-it-yourself kit. What this allows you to do is take our cargo plate and attach it to any rack. You just have to figure out how to bolt it down. Mm-hmm. Four bolts spaced, say, four to six inches apart is ideal. Once you've got that figured out, our case 
will fasten off and onto that cargo plate with our quick fasten system. So that is one way to do it. And it's a big part of our business actually is, um, is do it yourself stuff because we can't possibly cover every bike and every combination. And there's many bikes that, you know, the Beaulieu list is out of, is out of print now and other bikes that are just kind of rare old or whatever people still want to put people still want to put luggage on it so you could do that uh if you feel you got a strong enough rack back there it seems kind of shallow to me yeah but. which is why i bolted the the plywood platform to it yeah <laughs> what you know there's know. this material called aluminum and chuck doesn't roll that way and motorcycles you know and what I, what I was thinking of doing is I've got the plywood. It's three-quarter inch plywood. And I was going to do um, fiberglass and epoxy on it, you know, like, like a, a canoe. Boat. Yeah, like a boat. <laughs> so you have a little boat behind you. Oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> It'll be adorable. It'll be cute. Hey, that man's being chased by a tiny boat. <laughs> well, you know, you, you guys actually bring up a, a really interesting phenomenon or, or trend. You know, back in 2004 or five, anybody involved in, in adventure motorcycle riding, you basically used whatever you had. There wasn't, you know, there were aftermarket luggage around and things like that. But there weren't really adventure motorcycling outfits, boots and jackets and pants and gloves and all that but, stuff. But how did they match? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's today you can go out, walk into a BMW dealer and get the adventure bike and then a ton of accessories to go with it. Or go online and buy aftermarket accessories. There's, there's tons of them. There's many, many companies in this segment now. Whereas only five years ago, there weren't that many. And we all used whatever we had. You know, I've got I, plywood. <laughs> I used duffel bags and things like that for many years or, you know, whatever I could scrape together. I had a leather riding jacket, you know, and some deerskin gloves that I also used as work gloves around the house. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I rode all over the place with that kind of stuff. You know, a heated vest was, I didn't know what that was. So the motorcycle, the adventure touring segment has changed and, and grown up so much now that a lot of people are going for that look. Now, Chuck. Yes. You're not going for that look. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, well, I ride a Buell Ulysses. I'm not going for any look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look doesn't enter into it. <laughs> but you get to see what I'm getting at is that there's still people out there doing their own thing, do-it-yourself oh. stuff, using planks of wood and so on. But more and more, there's so much out there that's already designed, tested, it's good stuff, not only from my company, but from many others as well. That the implication being the plank of wood isn't good, Chuck. But I was, was going to make those side cases out of the plywood. I still think that'll be cool, but... <laughs> so you, you don't have to resort to cutting your finger badly in your garage as you try to build this stuff. You know, you can get really nice stuff for a great price for just about every adventure bike, including the Yuli. Still, probably, you can get things, but... Um, <laughs> Thanks, Roger. After a bike has been out of print for about five years, the volume drops off considerably. And aftermarket guys like me, we struggle with keeping that level of inventory because we, we have to build hundreds of the peat, you know, the parts, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm. We have to build 100 kits at a time to bring the cost down. So if I built uh, 100 Ulysses side racks today... <laughs> You'd have 98 in a year. <laughs> I'd be having this conversation 10 years from now. I still wouldn't sell them all. So. <laughs> I don't like this guest. Why do we get guests like this on? So, Ro Roger, bike, what, Chuck. I need to get Eric Buell on. God damn it. So, so what are you riding, Roger? Not a Buell. Right now, I'm actually in between bikes because I sold my BMW GS. And I want to get something new. You know, it's the off-season, so I can look around and things. I'd like to maybe get a, a Tiger 800, I think. I might jump off the BMW bandwagon this time. The other bike I have is a, is a, a Vespa scooter. I know. Don't laugh. No. Don't Are there pelicans on it? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a good question. <laughs> so, you might ask why, you know... Roger Pozak, big adventure rider, you know, aftermarket company owner, all this stuff, riding a Vespa. It's because of the town I live in. I live in Boulder, Colorado. And oh, so you're, you're like, required by law to have a one scooter in the house. Well, <laughs> you know, 
getting around this town in a car on an afternoon of any day of the week when classes are in session at CU, it's unthinkable. You can't get around this town anymore in a car. On my Vespa, I can get across town really, really fast. That thing gets me in and out of places far faster. And frankly, I don't have time to look for a parking lot or parking space or anything like that anymore. I just need to, if we run out of screws and we've got 10 orders to fill, I've got to get down there and, and buy them and get back here, you know? Roger so, needs his screw quick. Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait for that screw. We got a screw now, damn it. <laughs> it it's become indispensable. I mean, the, the stupid thing is, if I kill myself on a motorcycle, it's going to be that Vespa because of the way I ride it. It's just the, flat out all the time, right? You have to. The, the question isn't why you're riding a Vespa. The question everyone wants to know is, do you have some caribous on it? <laughs> well, let me see. What we do have for the Vespa... Yeah, we've got a couple of neat products. <laughs> Let me get one. This is a... Is that a purse? Can you guys see it? Yeah, that's a purse. <laughs> it's not a purse. That's a really cute pink purse, Roger. Look, it's even got your name embroidered on it. Is that a bunny in the corner? That's so cute. Look, okay. Now, it, it's a tote bag, all right? <laughs> it's... Now, quit laughing, all right? You know, they've got a word for that. It's a serious product. Okay. Problem, and you can use this on a motorcycle, too. It's a moto tote bag. It's got a zippered pocket, mesh pocket on the inside. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, stuff will fly out of uh, a Your purse. No. Whole Foods bags in a sidecar without the tonic cover on? Crap will come hovering up out of the Whole Foods bags. A zipper would be awesome. So, So, obviously, you cannot put a pair of... Side bags on a on a Vespa, the ass end of the thing is already too wide, and it would ruin the look <laughs> of it anyways. So you've got to find other ways of storage, right? And the nice thing about this tote bag is it has these little loops right here. Can the you see those? Thing. The what? The hooky thing that they had inside. Oh yeah, the, front the hooky bag. thing on the front. It's a hooky thing bag. There's a hook on your on the front of your seat, just underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, on yeah. Best, and many scooters have this. Yeah, cool. we saw that. We've we've been test riding some scooters, and and oh. we've uh, pointed that out. We like scooters here. Oh, at the, the wheel truth nerds. comes out. We're all about <laughs> scooters. Okay, now you don't see us with, with purses, but we've you know we do like scooters. You do have the bunny on your bike. Shut up. Now stay with me, okay? When you normally put any kind of tote bag on those hooks the bag flops around it it doesn't stay tight on there be, on that hook below the seat okay or, mm-hmm. or those plastic bags you get from the grocery store mm-hmm. okay so yeah. we put this hook right here and we size the bag so the bottom sits right on the floorboard of the vespa ah, so this thing is very stable between your legs and you can put a ton of stuff in it now we yeah, also we also make glove box <laughs> liners for the glove boxes of Vespas as well, because the way those designed, when you open them up, everything just falls out. So we made a nice mesh uh, glove box liner. So the reason we're into scooters, for one thing, I ride one now because you know it's almost a necessity around here, and also um, it goes with your purse. It, it's one of the fastest growing markets in motorcycling today. So yeah, there's tons of them. Mm-hmm. So there's two growing markets right now. One is the adventure touring markets on fire. And you can see the commitment that manufacturers have made. Every single manufacturer has at least one adventure bike, if not two, whereas five years ago there was very few. Right. Um, I mean, you can't go buy a Starbucks these days without seeing two or three adventure bikes parked out front. That's right. Exactly. And the other market that's growing vast is scooters. And storage on a scooter is, is a challenge. So we're, mm. we're coming up with products to solve those problems as well. So That's cool, yeah. The top yeah, secret it's... business planet, Caribou. Find out who the growing market is and take their money. <laughs> <laughs> the growing market is not the Buellulus. You probably didn't expect that, did you? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say we did not. So let me ask you this. Have you ever had to deny any warranty claims due to shark bite, bear attack, or children under five? Uh, no, we have not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, children under five, I could see. <laughs> Bear attack, maybe. Well, you know, it's just I, 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 got the, I got the caribou cases. The first day I got them, I opened them up, and the pelican case guarantee fell out of the box. I just about died laughing. <laughs> you know, that's a good question about that guarantee, that pellet. All of our cases, by the way, we have three suppliers, soon to be four. Mm. And uh, so pelican and some other companies now. And they're all competing against each other. 
they all make a great product and they all have this lifetime guarantee and we only replace about oh i don't know two maybe three cases per year at the most that's it i mean we rarely see a broken case and when we do it's usually a bike totaling event you know everything was destroyed hit by a truck or something they uh, they they do well in garage fires <laughs> all the stuff inside my cases was great Did that happened to you yeah, yeah. All the stuff outside the cases was less than great. <laughs> you know, motorcycles and garage fires kind of go together, hand in hand. Old motorcycles and garage fires. This was this was my neighbor's, not me. Yeah, it just uh, just happened to be attached. <laughs> was he cooking up some meth next door or something like that? I explosion? don't know, and I, I I'm trying. I try hard not to think too hard about it. <laughs> Okay, so Pelican cases can be acquired, you know, from wherever, old Pelican cases from Army and Navy or whatever. Or Pelican. Or Pelican, you know, and people can get them and get some bolts and things. But so what makes a caribou case set a caribou case set as opposed to just, you know, a Pelican case set you slap together? There's a number of things. The lid lock, okay, a waterproof lid lock so you can lock the lid shut uh, without having to use padlocks or something like that. We also put lanyards inside the case so the lid doesn't open more than about 80 degrees. And they have snaps on them, so if you did want to open the lid all the way, say you put it on a nightstand or a bed or something like that. Yours uh, doesn't do that? No, I've got old plastic lanyards on them. Although, I have to ask, did you do it on purpose so that the low side case on the Strom is like a perfect flat table when the lid is open? <laughs> no, we did on the side stand? <laughs> no, that was an accident. But. It totally looks planned. You should have took credit for that, Roger. He's been calling you a god ever since he discovered <laughs> that. <laughs> You know, lots of things happen by accident in this world. We we add these elastic straps that come together with a hook in, in the middle, so it kind of creates an X pattern that holds your gear into the main cavity of the case. Now, another thing we've come up recently uh, with is liners that are snap that snap in. And what they do is when you open the case, you know, there's always the possibility something could tumble up tumble out the sides. Well, our new liners go down the sides and over and along the bottom, and they're permanent in there. And they're made out of this heavy cloth, this heavy nylon cloth, so they don't fold easily and get caught in the seam when you go to close the case. Do those retrofit into old cases? Yes, they do. This oh. is an expensive call. Yeah, it's always been a criticism of side-loading cases is that stuff falls out. Well, this with these liners, and they're only thirty-eight dollars for a pair. Do you want his credit card number now? <laughs> I'll just order online. <laughs> Our listeners do not need my credit card. <laughs> the, the other thing that, that sets us apart is uh, the mounting system. Let me grab one of those. That's someone struggling in the background? Could be. I think they're writing help on the wall. That's odd. Huh. <laughs> This latch system is uh, is a very important part. It, of course, la- you turn this big wing knob here, and it latches the case onto the rack. Now, there's a bunch of other hardware involved, you know, cleats and bushings and things to, to hold the case on. But this, this part is, is the part that drives the case onto the rack and against it. The other thing is that if you crash hard with Pelican cases on your bike, the cases are not going to break. Something else is going to break if you crash hard <laughs> enough. It's probably going to be your subframe or you or, you or a rack or something. So we found out early on there's got to be some kind of mechanical fuse. We did a little bit of work with this latch and did some design work on it. So it breaks at about 480, 490 pounds of force. So it's become a mechanical fuse, and it's easily replaced in the field. You can carry a spare. It's cheap, small, lightweight, uh, $25 for a spare one. And no other company offers that kind of thing. Okay. Hey, you're, you're saying you're, you're a mechanical engineer by trade. Um, yeah. Here it comes. Right. Well, no, no, that's coming later. This is actually about Roger. Okay. When you're talking about you guys are designing, is it you? Is it some you and some other guys? I mean, who, who are the brains at Caribou? I've designed pretty much every single part in here. I, I have had some some other engineers help from time to time when you know the workload was too much and we had to get things done. And I've hired uh, some some hired guns, if you will, engineers to come in and fix things. But most of it's done by me. That's pretty cool. Okay. So here it comes. <laughs> so I'm going to be making side cases out of three-quarter inch plywood with fiberglass and epoxy. All right. Um, outside and in. And I promised our listeners that when I'm done with at least one of these cases, I'm going to strap it to the rack, and then I'm going to crash the bike on it. What is your prediction that what's going to happen? 
You're going to be picking splinters out of your ass for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> that mirrors my prediction. <laughs> it mirrors a lot of people's predictions. You're not going to be able to get your bike off the center stand. It's going to weigh so much in back. <laughs> plywood is an extremely strong material, by the way. Marine-grade plywood is is just, it, it's almost indestructible. I mean, it's really hard. If I go with the marine-grade, I'll probably go with a thinner, because uh, marine-grade plywood is, it's... Heavy as crap. Yeah, and it's pricey to come by. And, yeah. And I've, I've seen people say with the marine-grade plywood, it's you could go with a thinner than if you were to use uh, like a, a regular birch plywood. Or Yeah, you could probably get away with three-eighths even. So you're starting out with a, with a really strong material. People underestimate the strength of plywood, but weight is going to be your problem. You're still going to end up, even if you use three-eighths plywood, you're going to end up with a ton of weight. you got to figure out how to seal the lid. There's some challenges there. <laughs> Why don't you just buy a set of caribou cases? Gazi's <laughs> trying to sell me a suit. Roger's trying Everyone to sell me Everyone is selling Chuck things. Yeah. And look, I'll throw in a purse for you. One of our <laughs> Or when you're on your scooter, okay? <laughs> How can you say no? You can't afford not to, Chuck. Uh, well, what is, my, my other hobby besides motorcycling is woodworking. So that's where this, the, the genesis of this whole wood project is coming from is I, I – build boxes regularly out of wood, you know, for dressers or tables or whatever. Wouldn't it be cool to try to make cases out of them? No, it wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't be Telling cool. Telling it like it is. <laughs> You'd look like the Beverly Hillbillies on a motorcycle. You know, it, there's a little so, bit of, you know, you got to add a little bit of style in, into your life. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with looking good. I would, this is a BMW rider. He's concerned with his looks. Look <laughs> at his hair. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, they, they say I'm getting CEO hair. Look, it's styled. He's got the mat, the sweater, and the, 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 the hitchhiker on the wall in the back. How can I match this guy? There's, there's no hitchhiker in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners don't know that. <laughs> my bicycle hanging up. <laughs> well, I was going to do like a nice bamboo-faced veneer all around it to make it look cool <laughs> that won't add weight why don't you try fiberglass you know that's fun material to work with <laughs> well you know i was going to do fiberglass and i was going to coat the boxes with uh, epoxy and matted fiberglass to try to give it some strength what look he's making that face <laughs> well, the engineer face yeah <laughs> instead of going down to or going online and buying pelican cases for 120 bucks each right see He's he's got you there. The material that that Pelican cases are made of, it's a polypropylene family of plastics, okay? Yeah. If you've got anything made of polypropylene around the house, like let's say some of your woodworking tools, all right? They probably came in some cases. Oh, yeah. And some of them are polypropylene cases. And another thing is uh, like a milk jug or something like that. Take one and try and tear it apart with your bare hands. I mean, the stuff is really strong yeah, for, yeah. for its weight. Polypropylene is really a, an amazing material that's come along, and we make all kinds of stuff out of it, of course, clothing and everything. It's got tremendous properties with regard to heat retention and clothing and wicking dry very quickly. It sheds water. It, it has a very low surface tension. It's hard to get stickers to stick to our cases, for instance. But yeah, especially those National Park stickers, those cool, yeah, like, they don't oh, it's very- making me crazy. Hey, that, that sounds like a deal breaker. To use any other material, okay, aluminum is terribly expensive. It's one of the most energy-intensive materials made uh, it takes a tremendous amount of water and heat to make aluminum and then you've got to form it and weld it welding aluminum is very difficult the guys that do it well you know my hat's off to them because it is not easy so there's so many materials out there that you could use but they're going to be heavier and they're not going to be as strong and they're going to cost more in the end polypropylene is really the only material to to make cases out of that's all there is to it. I mean, all right. You know, I'm just, I'm just gonna cry. Definitive now. word from mechanical engineers who know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't. You You'll know, make it. He's, huh? You'll make it, Chuck. Well, I already made the top case. <laughs> Not the toolbox. <laughs> you didn't make the top case. The top case is made out of polypropylene. Not that one. The the wood box. <laughs> the toolbox is totally made from polypropylene. The toolbox. He's got is, you. The toolbox is checkmate. Made from it. Shut up. Checkmate. Shut up. Checkmate. Shut. Shut up. Why don't you make something for your house? <laughs> Like, oh, God, his wife loves you now. You know, like a book. 
case. You know, your wife will do that. <laughs> Finish the end table, Chuck. <laughs> uh, end table. I don't know. <laughs> Liquor cabinet. I don't. I made a a nice bookcase for my wife, and you know, got out the biscuit joiner. Did you ever use one of those? Oh yeah, I've got one. Oh got god, one don't get him talking about woodworking. All oh, pussies use biscuit joiners. <laughs> got out the, the router, the biscuit joiner, and real men Morris and Tenon. It's hard to beat the stuff that Pelican cases and our other supply SKB and people like that. It's hard to beat that stuff. ABS isn't as good. And a lot of stuff on motorcycles is made out of ABS. Mm-hmm. And it's fine as, until it takes an impact. It just does not hold up. I mean, it, it, it's brittle. It's stiff. You know, it's great for looks. You know, rigid. Yeah, it's good for looks for one thing. Carbon fiber is another one. It's great for static loads, but a motorcycle is not a static object, and those kind of materials really have no place. More about material science than we ever expected. <laughs> All, right. All right, so check out uh, Roger's stuff over at cariboucases.com. Anything else uh, in the offing, Roger? Any sneak previews of new cool stuff? Yeah, any of other, my other dreams you want to step on? You want to come over and take a piss on my deal? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what's coming up. Well, actually, we got a lot of new products coming out for next year. There's going to be some new cases, some new sizes, some uh, very competitive pricing on some things where we've managed to improve the value proposition even more. Um, Using those hitchhikers he's got tied up. <laughs> they work yeah. cheap. Well, I, I learned a lot when I worked when I had my corporate job, and I, I managed the relationship between Sony and Dell. And I was the go-between guy there. And Wow, that sucks. I've uh, no, spent a lot of time in Austin, Texas. And the engineering side of things is fine, but there's a business side of things to learn, too. And if you can drive more value in your products. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to come out with some, some really nice value point products next year. Money's not growing on trees these days. You know, and folks are uh, very careful about how they spend. You know, they're making things out of wood, things like that. Hey! <laughs> awesome. So we're there to Damn it. And there's oh, a lot wait. of new bikes. I mean, you've got the Super Tenere, you've got the Tiger 800, you've got Honda coming out with something. And there's a ton of new adventure bikes coming out, so we'll have products for all of them. Hey, Todd, why don't you tell uh, Roger the, the side cases you recommended I put on the Thruxton? Oh, well, they had to be vintage looking. Uh-huh. Yeah. What are they made out of? Canvas. Yeah. Ah, they're canvas. It's a Thruxton. Uh, canvas well, ammo hey, boxes. Do, were you listening to Roger? He said sometimes you got to worry about your looks. <laughs> it's okay to look good. It's okay, Chuck. I can make the wood look good. <laughs> you Thanks keep trying, time, Chuck. I, I'm sure you can. I mean, <laughs> route, get a nice router bit, router those edges off. I'm, they're called roundovers. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Roger. This was a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. I hope I maybe shed some light into our company and what we're doing and how we're growing, how we did it, and uh, maybe inspire others to uh, start their own motorcycle aftermarket parts. Not luggage, of course, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or purses. Yeah. Or these new purses. It's not a purse. It's (laughs) a moto tote. Yeah. It's fun to be here. Thanks for having me on. See? He sold us more crap. Chuck? What? Don't do it. <laughs> Step back from the edge, Chuck. <laughs> uh, uh, come on. It was. You thought it was cool when we first... I, I, I think it's cool. You know, he I, makes a good point about the weight thing, though, because I'm thinking of the desk we built yeah. for me out of plywood. That thing weighs a ton. Yeah. It, I mean, well, it's, it ought to be lighter than an aluminum box. I don't think so. I mean, aluminum's pretty light for its, you know. I thought size. I, I've read that those boxes are like fifteen pounds or something. I ten don't to have ten to fifteen pounds. Could be. Yeah. You oh, know. Worst case scenario, you make one, we crush it, and <laughs> you're like, "Well, that was a dumb idea." <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> new plan. <laughs> and I won't mind crushing it with you know throwing the bill over because the bill doesn't run. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, and then you know the Swiss ammo boxes that you've talked me into buying for the thrust. <laughs> so I found these I found these sweet like vintage Swiss ammo box thingies. Canvas cases with Canvas leather cases with leather and little and brass fittings and everything. They do look cool. They look awesome. And what I want you, do you to do is buy them and put them on the Thruxton so I can see if they're cool. And if they are, I'm going to buy one for the Ural. I bought them. They're in shipping. Mm-hmm. I, and I've been kicking around how I'm going to mount them to the Thruxton. Sure, yeah. Because if I just get uh, – there are pannier racks for the Thruxton. Mm-hmm. 
Which is fine and all, but the sides of these boxes are canvas. So it's not like I can just bolt right through them, right? I wonder if you can get those quick off for, for uh, on my cruiser, on the Volusia. I had these two, I can't remember what they're called, but they were locking plate thingies uh-huh. that went on and they came off quick from the side of it. Um, and you just mounted them to the back of like semi-rigid, in my case, just big leather saddlebags. Sure, okay, yeah, for the cruisers. Yeah. yeah. The cruiser customizing carries them. Yeah. Yeah. My concern there is the leather's tougher than... Than I imagine this canvas is going to be. So I, I'm going to have to. Put, I think I'm going to have to put some sort of backing plate in there. Could be, yeah. You know, but I, I did that with my leather ones. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Just a piece of. I, I got a piece of. Uh, what did I use? Oh, I used a piece of a plastic folder. Okay. It worked quite well, actually. I might get a piece of aluminum or because uh, I've got some sheet mm-hmm. metal, piece or of three quarter inch plywood, polypropylene something. Or... <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> there, there, check. There, there. My wife will be happy because she wants me to go back yeah, to work. Finish on the, the end table. The end table and the um, <laughs> side cabinet thing. She wants. Well, look at it like this. If I if I can't stand it and I can't afford a really nice big fancy bike to put a sidecar on, yeah. I'll get the frame and put it on the Strom, and we'll build a sidecar. We'll make a canoe car. Just we'll, just a regular comfy car, actually. Well, when I say canoe car, I mean we'll do it with the, the thin marine plywood. Oh yeah, and the yeah fiberglass yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because I've got some epoxy and, and fiberglass already. I'm just going to go ahead and do the damn case. I'll do at least one. You oh, yeah. Know, we'll do, crush it. We'll see well, what happens. Well, let's do one as an experiment. I mean, it'll be certainly be an interesting experiment one way or the other. Yes. Does it crush? Is it? Does it weigh just an absolute crap ton? Right. You know, let's find out. Right. It'll be fun. Yes. And we could knock your duel over, which I don't know about you, but I've got this weird increasing urge the last few times uh, the Buell's broken down to just kick the fucking thing over. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Kicking it over sounds pretty good to me right now. It was having a good year. It was having a good year, and then wasn't. Then, then that one trip, the, yeah. the last trip of the year, yeah. You know, we touched a little bit last week about when is enough enough? <laughs> yeah, at what point? at what point does it go? At what point does it go? My wife's asked me that question. Oh, boy. Yeah. We'll keep you posted on what Chuck's decision is. Yeah. Moving on. We have another test ride. Stuff that doesn't break down regularly. Well, I I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) The way Charlie rides? (laughs) So once again, Charlie, helpful devil that he is, has sent us a test ride. In this case, it's on his new WR250, which, if you really want to see a bear riding a tricycle, Charlie on a 250 is really the way to do it. (laughs) All right, let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Wheel Nerds, this is your not-so-foreign foreign correspondent, Legal Alien, reporting in. This time I want to talk a little bit about the WR250X. been looking around for a smaller bike to ride around town on and to thrash on the particularly twisty local track without having to feel like I'm going out of speed and um, stumbled across a WR250X for sale with a couple of mods on it already, geared down a long way, pipes, power commander, sliders, etc., I thought I'd take a chance and thrash around on that one a bit. First thing about the bike, at 6,000 feet, power is a little low. Second thing about the bike, when it was geared down, they hadn't fixed the speedo. Being 20 to 25% off on your speedometer is really exciting because it's just keep up with traffic and pray that they're doing something approaching the speed limit because I had no idea how fast I was going. Third thing about the bike is it is an incredible amount of fun. Little 250, super light at around 300 pounds stock, gigantic. Gigantic two gallons of fuel, but it does get, um, well, it doesn't get very great to the mile gallon when you twist the throttle as hard as you have to to keep up the highway speeds when it's geared that far down. But still, in the twisties, one of the most fun bikes ever. It's precise handling. The throttle is great once you're off idle. It snatches like crazy as an off idle. And it's just, just, just so easy to turn and ride fast in corners. Just, just having a great time thrashing down the down the twisted roads on the freeway it's a little less of the fun bike but you know you have to take it out there and try it don't you the way it's geared it tops out at about 75 and 6 with me on it which is a six foot seven sail you know at that speed it's still turning ten and a half eleven thousand rpms that little single is screaming overall one of the most fun bikes i've ridden in a long time definitely glad i own one now definitely fun in the twisties caveats about it fuel range that's fine because the seat is about as comfortable as sitting on your average 2x4 pointy bit on the corner. So you don't really want to be on, on it for very long. And that off-idle throttle, it's definitely, uh, even with the power commander on there and an auto-tune, though I haven't managed to poke around to see how it's tuned, that snatchiness off-idle is quite disconcerting. Is it a beginner bike? 
Yeah, yeah, it's certainly down in the power and weight range. The only caveat, like I said, that throttle response, but, but definitely a ton of fun, and I encourage people to go out, thrash around on the littler bikes and have some fun with something smaller. Todd said, Chuck said on the first episode of the show, there's nothing like riding a really small, light bike as fast as it possibly can be ridden to, to have fun. He even took the WR to the track and let both rode it around my on my own and um, let other people ride it. And even in the beginner group, because it's where I felt I fit, it's quite a satisfying feeling to, to watch the poor guy on the uh, Ducati Street Fighter be overtaken around the outside by the guy on the Yamaha 250. Have fun, guys. Catch you later. And go Team Todd. Chuck, stop killing Brits. Yep. <laughs> we weren't writing it. No. No, no. All right. Listener mail. Listener mail. Listener mail. Uh, you remember uh, last week we had Scott writing about the uh, the question with uh, getting a vintage Beamer versus getting the ULST. Oh, yeah. And uh, we talked about it a little bit. Scott wrote back. Oh. Uh, I just heard you answer my question about the Euro ST versus the vintage BMW on the podcast. Thanks. You're welcome. In, in rebuttal to Todd's rebuttal. That's a lot of butt. <laughs> I have to say that I have no idea if parts for a 50-year-old BMW are harder to get than a Euro. Yes. <laughs> but Todd mentioned frustration at getting Euro parts on one of the shows. Mostly because I can't have them in three days because they weren't at the dealer as opposed to the week and a half it takes from the distributor. I figured it's got to be easier to get parts from just Germany than it is from deepest Siberia. I don't know. Plus, I imagine there is a healthy aftermarket for support on the BMWs, just That's like true. there is for Honda CB750s mm-hmm. and Kawasaki Z1s. Good point. But to each their own. If you both had Euros, maybe you could rob parts off each other. I don't think Todd would trust my luck with bikes to actually want to put something from my bike onto one of his. Yeah, plus I have the one, I'd have the one with a sidecar, so I'd get screwed. Oh, I need a new rear wheel. Can I borrow your spare? <laughs> and by borrow, I mean never give back. I have this giant, uh, I, can I use your humongous toolkit? <laughs> can you carry my lunch? <laughs> This is the world of having a sidecar. Everyone will make fun of everyone who wants to put crap in it. Am I going to stuff you in the sidecar at lunch or something? (laughs) (laughs) Elementary school flashbacks. (laughs) Get in there! (laughs) Next. Next. So our Canadian listener, Kelso, sent us a picture regarding beavers. Uh, Uh, Yep. Why are they doing that to its head? I don't know. So they've got this, uh, this the pictures on the site, but they've got a uh, cartoon beaver face over the beaver's face. I'm afraid I'm, to know why. I'm betting. I'm betting local sports team. How many Canadian teams do you think are called the beavers, the moose, the loons, the goddammit it's cold here's, you know, stuff like that? Maybe one of them rides a Ulysses. You know how those things get hungry around wildlife. <laughs> Fluffy bunnies. You know what? I'm looking at this beaver, mm-hmm. and I can see now with the beaver, the beaver rag. That tail makes a great pull tab for when you're stuffing it in your crotch. <sighs> let's let's try not to give out all my secrets in the same show. You go to sleep at night singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Moving on. <laughs> what did you learn this week, Chuck? We do not cackle. What did you learn, Todd? Don't make side cases out of wood. That's all we've got time for. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.